Hey, first of all, I just want to say it's great to see you today. And uh, man, I want to thank our team last week. How many know sometimes just the flu just gets all up in your life? Anybody? Uh, I've got eight grandkids. We love loving all over them. They get up all in our life, but they bring their bugs. So I'm blaming them. And uh, but uh, so uh, just so grateful for Pastor Clint and the team that were able to make some changes. For those of you that weren't here last week, Pastor Clint was here. And uh, then we live streamed to Carlton. And so anyway, thank you, Pastor Clint. You're amazing. We appreciate everything you do. And, and he was able to step in. And I said, hey, obviously somebody needed Colossians last week because God uh, put me on the shelf and brought him in. So anyway, but we've been in this series just for a couple weeks, get it gearing up for fall, just called No Offense. No Offense. How many know if somebody starts a conversation and wants to talk to you and says, no offense, but how many know you're going to be offended, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's going to happen. And here, here's the deal. We spend way too much time being offended. We do. And there seems to be so much anger and angst today in our culture that it, it seems like stuff is just boiling under the surface. I mean, you know, if you don't use your blinker, people are just going to freak out and get all, you know, it's just that stuff is just right there. Little things just set us off. And I want, to, I want to help us get over our collective anger and offenses a little bit by walking through some of these principles. And is it even possible to live a life by not being offended? Now, I'm taking uh, this title and, uh, and a lot of this information out of uh, this book called Unoffendable by uh, Brant Hansen, and we have some out in the lobby. If you'd like to pick up a copy of this for yourself, there's a lot more to it. I've been reading through it, and as I read through it, it just really connected with me, and uh, I love the content, and so I wanted to share that with you. Uh, and so if this something lands with you or you weren't able to get this a couple weeks ago, there's some more copies out there. But really, it speaks, I think, prophetically into the tension that we're feeling right now within our culture. And... Today, I, I want to talk to you, last week, we, or two weeks ago, we talked about stop being offended. This week, I want to talk about those people. Everybody say, those people. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody has those people in their life, you know, or in their family, and you know who I'm talking about. They can be challenging, right? Uh, they can be arrogant at times. They can kind of know it all, right? Um, they can kind of tell everybody what they should be doing. Are you starting to get the picture of those people? Um, they're the ones kind of sucking up all the oxygen on social media, those people, right? Um, almost always, there's, in every family, there's one of those people in the family. And if you're thinking, man, I don't think there is one in my family, it's probably you, okay? It's probably you. You probably are those people. Somebody else right now in your family is praying about you, right? And, uh, but what do we do? And that's why today I just want to talk about the fact that dealing with those people in a way that honors and shows the love of God, that's the challenge. That is such a challenge. As followers of Jesus, we are called to love. We are called to love every person, and we are called, I know this is a stretch, we're called to love those people. We are. Admittedly, some of those people can be a little more difficult in today's culture than ever before. And so... If you find yourself just kind of frustrated, if you find yourself just on the edge of being offended, I just want the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 just to kind of come over you today as we read through this. I want you just to kind of let this speak into your heart. Maybe you've heard about it over and over. Maybe you've read it before. But in this context of 
trying to step back from our anger and offense, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 26. He says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Let me say that again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to whose needs? Their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other. How do we forgive them? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's, that's easy to read, not so easy to live. That's easy to read and say, yes, I agree with that. That's not so easy to walk it out. Now, what does it say? It says, in your anger, do not sin. So it implies that it's not a sin to be angry, right? You can hang on to your anger, but if you're angry, you say, well, there's my, there's my point. Paul says that in my anger, don't sin, so it's okay for me to be angry. But what's wrong with that is being angry or offended is with what people are doing these days, it's just, it's just there under the surface. And I've never found my life a lot better when I'm angry. I've never found my relationship with my wife better when I'm offended. I've never found myself just enjoying the connection with other people around me that I need when I'm ticked off. Hello? So, I mean, it doesn't make things better. And I know, and I've got to confess to you today, I mean, in our culture, you just look at the news. Do you know that the news, the news cycle, fake news, whatever, any news, any news channel you go to, any flavor, right, left, middle, back, forward, their job is to capture your attention not by stories about puppies and clouds. They want to get you offended. They want to put that hook of just, oh, I'm offended, I can't believe that, and then they got you. And I try to remind myself over and over and over again that, man, there's simply no win in being offended. So here's a big truth bomb I want to drop on you today, and this is kind of the point of this whole message, and I'm going to just give it to you right up front. First of all, being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable. If you are around other people, you're going to be offended. You're going to have reason for offense. If you're married, ratchet that up about times 10, right? I mean, anytime you're with people, you're going to be, but listen, living offended, that's a choice. And I'm probably going to offend some of you by some of the stuff we're talking, but you can say today during communion, Jesus, help me just not to be offended by anyone. And before you leave the parking lot today, somebody's going to do something stupid and you're going to be offended, right? It just happens. But holding on to that anger is what Paul is getting. Anger and offense have a way of just what I would call sticking in your craw. Anybody ever heard that? It just kind of sticks there. You hold on to it. It feels a little bit good. Two weeks ago, I talked about anger makes it okay for me to hold on to the rock. And I, I, sometimes it feels kind of good to hold it. Not that you're going to throw it, but I just got it here, you know, just in case. I just feel better when I've got it here. I just kind of nurse it. I just kind of rehearse it. But Paul says... 
when we do that, we're actually giving the devil a foothold. Now, I always thought, when I read that, I go, don't give the devil a foothold. He's like the salesman that gets his foot in the door. Anybody? You know, you try to shut the door. It's like, oh, I'm going to get my toe in there. <laughs> Can't open it. But really, when you look at that word, as in, out of, the, out of the Greek, it's the word for topos is what it says. It's a place or a room. So what he's saying, if, if you nurse your anger, if you hold on to your anger, you're actually giving the devil room in your life. Just give him space in your home. Just like let him move in as a roommate. Think about that. If you let that anger stay with you. And here's the deal. Have you ever thought that the devil has plans for you? I know that Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life, and he wants to change your life. But here's the other truth, is that Satan has a plan for your life, and he wants to destroy it. Sometimes I want to believe this, and I kind of downplay the other side. The Bible says that we don't wrestle against people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Every Sunday morning, I, I, I remind myself of that verse. Today, I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against dark forces and evil realms. Boy, that'll bless you, won't it? I got to know what the stakes are. Satan's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, that is his job. In fact, I was thinking about that. He's kind of got three magical Ds of what he wants to do in destruction. He wants to divide families. He wants to divide friends. And he wants to divide churches. And if he can bring division there, he can win there. See, because anger and offense, it causes division. It causes anger. And if I were a demon, no testimonies, please, but I would say, man, today is easier than it's ever been to divide people and to divide the church, especially. Think about the church in the past few years. Have we been more united than ever? <laughs> the church has just been divided by all kinds of stuff. Well, just, I can just say politics and everybody's mad about somebody, right? And the church got divided. Can you imagine the church got so divided in the last few years. Maybe you say, well, it's always been, well, last few years have been like on steroids. Yeah. Families. I know, I talk to people that say their friends won't even talk to them anymore that they grew up with and they were very close to because of politics? Are you kidding me? It's dividing that. It's, there's so many things that can divide us. I mean, we came through this pandemic and it just tore up the church in so many ways and everybody got on one side and everybody got on the other. And why does he want to divide Christians? Because united Christians are an unstoppable force. I mean, if, if we're going to talk about why he wants to divide us, it's because when we are united, there is no stopping us when we get united about something. Let me just tell you, a few weeks ago, we got up and we talked about the fires in Maui, and I said, do you want to give to that? Let's do something. I wanted to participate in giving something to Maui. I didn't, I didn't know how much that'd be, but together, guess what? We sent them over $5,000. That's pretty good. Thank you. That's uniting us, right? That's just an example of us. But as he tries to divide the church, he's going to get you to complain about stuff. I'm ticked off at the latest network series, or excuse me, Netflix <laughs> network. I don't like that series, and I'm mad that you don't not like it. You know what I'm saying? You should be ticked off about it. Hey, the new, latest Disney movie just came out. My spirit is grieved about that. And I'm mad at you because you're not as grieved about that as I am. I'm going to boycott, right? I'm, I'm going to stay away from this. I'm going to stay away from that. And 
just this normal stuff just gets so distracting. And if not that, then we get caught up in social media and we see everybody's perfect life, everybody's perfect world because, you know, they, they, they delete the 20 pictures it took them until they got to the right pose and you're looking, you're comparing myself to this beautiful life and I feel divided and I feel disconnected. But when I look at what Paul's saying, we should be and we are called to be the most accepting, loving, caring people on the planet. The world is still looking for the church that Jesus created. I read a book several years ago by an author named Tony Campolo, and the title of the book is The Kingdom of God is a Party. And I love his writing style. Very funny, it's very real, very raw. And he tells this story, personal story about how he's, he's, he's a professor at a college on the East Coast and he flew to Hawaii for a conference. And because of the time change and the jet lag, he finds himself wide awake at 2 a.m. in the morning. So he goes in, he's in Honolulu, he goes down and finds a cafe that's open and he gets there about three o'clock in the morning and he eats a donut and he's got a coffee and he's just kind of sitting there. There's two other old men in the place and it's like, whoa. Well, then about 3.30, the doors open and all these prostitutes come in. Like a whole group of them, they all come in. And they sit around, they're loud, they're talking, they're laughing. And he's just like, whoa. And they're all laughing about one of them and her name is Agnes. And they're teasing her because the next day is her 39th birthday. And they're like, Agnes, you want us to make you a cake? You want us to sing happy birthday, Agnes? And Agnes says, no, I've never even had a birthday party. I've never had birthday cake in my life. It's just gonna be another day. Well, when they left, Tony's sitting there and he goes up to the guy behind the counter and he said, do those ladies come in here all the time? He said, yep, every night or every morning, 3.30, they come in. He says, does Agnes come in with them? Yeah, she's always with them. He said, what if we threw Agnes a birthday party? And he's like, ooh, I like that. His wife was in the kitchen. She heard about it and says, I'll bake the cake. So he goes, I'll tell you what, tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring stuff and we're going to make a birthday party. So he came back the next day. The next early morning hours, he brought crepe paper, everything he could pick up. The owner's wife had made this birthday, happy birthday Agnes on it. Word had gotten out on the street of what was going to happen, so the little cafe was full by the time he gets there. He's like, oh, this is going to be crazy. About 3.30, the doors open up. Agnes and the ladies come in, and everybody just breaks out and starts singing happy birthday to Agnes. She's stunned. She doesn't know what to do. She just stands there. She stares at the cake, and she says, can we just not cut this? They said, sure. She goes, just a minute. I just, I just want to take this home. Agnes picks up the cake and leaves, and everybody's just shocked. Tony says he didn't know what to do, so he says, let's pray. <laughs> so he leads in a prayer, and he prays for Agnes. And he prays that God would just touch her, and that God would connect with her, and she'd feel special. And he says amen, and everybody's still stunned. They're looking at him, and the owner goes, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. He's <laughs> like, well. He goes, what kind of church are you from? He goes, I'm from the kind of church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. And he says, there ain't a church like that, because if there was, I'd go to it. And I look at the life of Jesus, and I look what he did, and how he connected with people, and he walked in, and he threw parties for people that everybody else ignored. That's the church that changes the world. 
But we come and we think, well, we've got to be politically active or we've got to, be, we've got to stand up or we've got to stand against this or we've got to stand. Am I saying there should be a standard? Absolutely. But we have got to be the most accepting, loving, inclusive. And it seems like we become the most angry, critical, judgmental. Can I say hypocritical or hypocritical, hypocritical, mm-hmm. self-centered, self-righteous, easily offended, ticked at the world. We live in Oregon. I want to move to Texas. (laughs) And if you want to move to Texas, God bless you. (laughs) But last I remember, people in Oregon still need Jesus. I think people in Oregon are looking for a church that throws birthday parties at 3.30 in the morning for people that shouldn't be having parties. And if they could really see it, and I'm not just trying to, because this this is what God is doing. But God knows that we're gonna get angry because we're human. He understands that. And he wants to realize that, if, that we can't handle our anger. A lot of times it says, don't let, in your sin, or in your anger, don't sin. So it's like, well, I can, I can hold on to anger. You see, God knows that we can't handle that kind of anger. Why? Because I don't know how to let it go. That's the thing. Once I get it, I don't know how to let it go. So the verse there, he says, there's a sunset clause in this passage right here. There's a sun clause that says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the sun go down. It implies, listen to this, it implies the day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. The day of your hurt also should be the day of your healing. The best marriages know about this. The best marriage, and those that are married, you always take this, don't, let the sun, don't go to bed angry, right? Some of you are like, well, I gotta have to stay up all night, <laughs> right? And you know how it is. And those of you that aren't married, just kind of go. You gain points, you know? When you can like huff and roll over and look at the wall, give the back, you know, the cold back. And you get extra points if you pull some covers with them so they really know. <laughs> you lose points if you accidentally touch the, the feet. You don't touch the feet, man. It's like there's a, there's a wall, but... I know we can think about that, but talk about what if friendships were open enough to where, you know what, man, what happened right there that really offended me, but I don't want this to become something between us. Can we just work through this? Same day. Because Jesus knows, and Paul was writing, that if we hang on to that anger, we can't handle it. We can't handle it. It's going to get into our spirit. It's going to Give the devil a foothold. That little thing's gonna grow. How many know that people aren't talking to other people and haven't talked for years because there's this big divide between them? And how many knows it all started with something little? A lot of times. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't big things done that are more than an offense and they're just flat sin against us. I get that. But what we're talking about is Paul says, listen, don't nurse the anger. We can't handle it as humans. We've got to give it up. We've got to let it go. And so he kind of doubles down right after that verse, and he says, don't let, he, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Wow. That's, that's a little bit harder to live, right? Don't let any unwholesome talk belittling, bad-mouthing, criticizing. The other drivers, they're always the idiot, right? 
<laughs> and I just did that thing in the last lane. I forgot to, but you know, when they do it, we don't call names. We don't raise our voice. We don't get historical. Not hysterical, you know what I mean? Well, I remember because you said, and remember when you did, never quote Bible verses in a fight. That never works either. Well, the Bible says, please don't ever quote the pastor in a fight, right? You just don't want to do that. These things, he's saying, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful in building each other up. Because I've always got a good reason for it, so I'm going to defend my why there's a book called Know Your Why. It's about purpose in life. But sometimes I've got a why that I'm offended. And so I'm going to defend that. Well, I mean, their thing is little, but my thing, I'm, I'm tempted to defend my anger because they hurt me. I'm tempted to get angry at culture, and I call it righteous anger. Yeah. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, I want you to be righteously angry. No, the Bible says that God has a righteous anger because he can handle it. Remember two weeks ago we talked about Jesus went in the temple and he drove out the money changers and he was angry. Yeah, guess what? You're not Jesus in the story. We're the money changers in the story, right? It's funny, we never put righteous on any other kind of dangerous thing. Like, you know, I'm righteously greedy. <laughs> I have a righteous lust in my life, right? I have a righteous gluttony about that cake. I mean, that, that could happen. But he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And you think, boy, that just sounds like it's so far out there. But it doesn't say, be arrogant about your moral superiority. It doesn't say, be critical of everyone who thinks differently or votes differently than you. It doesn't say, you can be harsh because we know that you deal with idiots all day long. And then he says, be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. How, how do we do that? How do we, how do we forgive? The level of our forgiveness needs to be because in Christ, God doesn't see sin anymore. When you come to Christ, he sees Jesus. He looks through the filter of Christ when he sees you, when you've come and said, Jesus, take my sin. What we celebrated today, what I said is better than millions of dollars is the fact that you had a death sentence and now you don't. Because in Jesus, he forgave you. And Paul says, tie that into how you forgive others. You can't do that from a distance. You can only shout from a distance. I get ticked off at those people. A lot of times those people, they're easy when they're out there. But if I'm going to love and accept them, I've got to be up close. So you start going through the Rolodex of people in your life. For those of you that are under 30, a Rolodex is a thing that used to sit. <laughs> Sorry. When I wrote it, I went, I'm so old. And, uh, but but I, I've got those people in my life. I do. They always have the answer. And, you know, they're, they're always ticked off at what the government is doing. And, and they always tell me, here's what the church needs to do. Here's how you should be spending your money or saving your money. Here's the way I did it. You should do it that way. And I'm listening going, wow, they just go on and on. They're one of those people. I don't even think they know they're one of those people, but they're one of those people. And then I started to think, it dawned on me, wow, 
what if I'm one of those people? Because those people don't know they're those people. And so I realize, and I start looking, and instead of looking out there, I start looking in here and say, wait a minute, what if I'm that guy? What if I'm the one that wants to be morally superior? What if I, I'm gonna reach some of you with this because there used to be a show called the Andy Griffith Show, right? Mayberry, it's awesome. Andy was the sheriff of the town, never wore a gun, he's great. But he had a deputy, his deputy, right? Don Knox played his deputy, and, and he, his name was Barney Fife, okay? And Barney, Barney was his bumbling deputy, and he, he's always trying so hard. Let me tell you, Barney is one of those people. He always has the answer. And he's always trying to be patient with him. He always has an opinion that he knows the answer about everything. But he also came up with something that really cuts to the heart of the issue, and this is what Barney Fife used to say, if you want to stop something, he'd say this, nip it in the bud. He'd say, Andy, nip it, nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. If I don't want to be one of those people, if I'm finding myself, I go to the Psalm, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's the challenge. When we take our magnifying glass looking for those people and turn it into a mirror and say, okay, God, where am, where am I arrogant in my life? Where am I being judgmental in my life? Where am I self-deceived in my thoughts and in my stance? Where am I harboring anger or carrying offense? God, what kind of things do I need to get rid of in my life? Because the devil has a job. His job is to divide. He's going to do it in families. He's going to do it in Christians. And he's going to do it in churches. Our responsibility the question that we have is, are we going to let him? Are we going to let him? What would happen if the next time you're offended and you're trying to decide what you're going to do with it, what if you stopped and said, wait a minute, who's really trying to get something done here? Wait a minute, who's trying to get me offended at this? And what if you took the sundowner clause, the sunset clause, and said, you know what? I'm going to nip this in the bud right here. I'm going to stop this before it festers. I'm going to stop this before it starts. I'm going to make that call. I'm going to send that text. Well, I'd say maybe talk to him in person. I'm going to stop this right now. Because guess what? Because as many of those people there on my life, I have the capability every time, every day of the week. I say, God, help my words to be uplifting that are beneficial to others. Help my words to be free from slander and offense. Help my words. And I think if we just start doing that, saying, search me, oh God, help me to be that person, it begins to spread. It begins to move. It begins to change. Being offended 
is inevitable. And I'm telling you what, we can be offended every minute of the day in our culture today, but living offended is a choice. And it comes with, I'm gonna forgive others the same way. In Christ, God forgave me. God forgave all my sin. I had a debt that I could never pay and he wiped it clean. And I'm gonna stay mad at you for something that's like trivial. And I'm gonna stay mad at you. I mean, he forgave me $10 million bill and I'm gonna get mad at you for five bucks you owe me. It does feel good to be mad about stuff sometimes. I'll just be honest. But let me tell you what. I'm never more joyful when I'm angry. It never adds peace to my life when I'm ticked off. It never makes me make a difference and want to be a difference maker in someone else's life when I'm holding it on. Being offended is inevitable, but carrying it and living with it is a choice. Can you just pray with me today? Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. The standard, and it's just so high. But God, yet we want to aspire to that. God, when you told us that allowing sin to come in, it, it's like giving the devil a rental room in our home and wonder why things aren't going well. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to grab this principle today. That you would help us to understand that in our offense, we don't have to hang on to that anger, but that we can resolve it. We can let it go. And if it's impossible to let it go with that person, we can just continue to bring it to you. And I know, God, you allow me to be that honest with you by just saying, God, I'm hurt by this. God, this, this feels like a wound to me. And God, you'll, you'll hear my prayer. And even in time, you'll heal my hurt, maybe immediately, but just being able to give it to you and cast it upon you because if I care about it, you care about it. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that is to the best of our ability, loving, accepting, wide open arms about the important things and putting Jesus up front and center. Not our political persuasion or not about our particular thing that we choose to do or not to do or but God that we would put you front and center and say here's our standard we're just going after Jesus God I know that our community needs people that are loving accepting just like you are God thank you thank you that you can make those changes in our heart and our mind maybe you just want to start praying right now maybe this has been a particular struggle for you and you might just give it over to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me. Help me to set this offense aside or help me not to live with this anymore and to give it to you. Help me to make that phone call, to make that, have that conversation. And to the best of my ability, help me to give it up and love others the way you love me. It's a high standard and it's probably gonna take us till we get to heaven to figure it out, but it's such a great thing to strive for. 
Jesus, help us today. If you're in the room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're online and you're watching this. Coming to Christ is one of the greatest decisions you can ever make. He wants to forgive you because you do have a debt that you'll never be able to pay outside of Jesus. And if you come to him and say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to walk with you. I want you to be my leader and my friend. The Bible says that he will forgive you and he'll stand with you doesn't mean that all your problems go away. It doesn't mean you'll never be offended again, but it does mean that Jesus will be with you and you'll never be alone. Father, I pray that there will be courageous prayers being prayed right now for those in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here today. And I'm praying that uh, God will use this and maybe you might want to pick up this book and let God use this in your life. Maybe those principles will connect with you somehow. Would you stand with me today? I just want to open up the prayer wall right now. There's this side of the room over here on the left-hand side of the room. There's a space there. There'll be people there that love Jesus and would love to pray with you. If we can pray with you about anything, please don't leave today without letting us pray for you, pray with you. If you're online, there's a host that would love to pray with you and get you connected with us, how our prayer teams can pray for you. That's so important. And I just want to reiterate what... uh, Pastor Colin and Pastor Emily's been doing in the youth center. Now you think, well, is that just for the youth now? No, no. It's still a community space, but everybody needs a space. Pastor Janine with our kids, she goes and makes these really incredible spaces in all the rooms where kids walk into and they go, this feels like my space. This is awesome. And we communicate Jesus on a level they can understand. And now this space down there has just kind of got a facelift and it looks different because we want students to walk in and say, man, they care about me and and I want to connect with Jesus on a level that I can understand. So that's important. And we want to thank them for all their work they've done into it. Man, can you believe it's September already? It's crazy. Connect with a life group. This would be a great time to do that. And until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you, that God would turn his face toward you and shine his countenance on your life. Guess what? He's crazy about you. Let him be in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.